Welcome to the Lead Management Mastermind Show, the only podcast where you'll learn about lead management best practices from the top lead management and sales marketing executives in the industry. Hear about the optimization, strategy, and techniques that have made each of our guests the best of the best in the lead management domain. Live from the headquarters of SDP Solutions, here's your host, Scott Payne. Hey, everybody. Scott Payne here with the Lead Management Mastermind Show. So happy to have you back with us on our second episode. Super excited to have with us today uh, our second guest, Mike Eshelman. Mike Eshelman is the head of consumer finance at Jornaya. Uh, super excited to have Mike on because me and Mike go way back. I've known Mike for a number of years now and used to uh, work with him at uh, my previous job where we helped make magic happen in our lead management or in his lead management system and did some really cool things. So super excited to have Mike on. Let me just start off by sending it over to him. Mike, can you uh, start off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe a little bit about your history as well? Yeah, sure thing. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Um, so my background, I've been in mortgage for 15 years, uh, started similar to you started on the loan origination side. So, uh, I was sitting in the seat, consumer direct lender, uh, taking leads, taking phone calls. Uh, this does go back into the day where my method of managing my leads was I'd receive an email that I had a new lead notification. I created a few folders in outlook and start dragging leads into hot, warm, cold, uh, and just kind of managing them, dragging them back and forth that way. Yep. Uh, but enjoyed it. Um, however, my passion was more on the marketing side. Uh, I ended up joining a, a lead generation company uh, where we would sell leads into uh, mortgage companies and, and really got to get a good understanding really of how mortgage companies and marketing executives were viewing campaigns, uh, from all the metrics, managing filters, and all that good stuff, and, and really got some good ideas from that. Uh, and then ultimately went to work at a mortgage company on the marketing side where I led marketing uh, for First Direct Lending, which is where you and I really got to know each other. Used Philosophy as my lead management system, and uh, pretty much just did whatever you told me to do, and you made uh -huh. me look good. Um, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, while I was there, one of my vendors was Jornaya. And I was leveraging the data that I got from Jornaya. And, and after a little bit of time, probably two, two and a half years of working with Jornaya, uh, kind of raised my hand and, and reached out to him. And one thing led to the next. And, and here I am heading up consumer finance and uh, enjoying every minute of it. So, uh, so it's been a good ride in mortgage. Awesome. So can you tell everyone a little bit about what your role consists of today as head of consumer finance? Yeah, sure. So uh, some background on Jornaya. Uh, we're a data company. We sit between, uh, well, originally we sat between lead buyers and lead sellers uh, providing additional data on leads. We've since grown quite a bit uh, to where we map out the entire consumer journey. So essentially consumers behavior online. And we help uh, marketers make better marketing decisions, leveraging that data. So my role is uh, really to work with lenders and banks to understand the data, get more strategic about their marketing efforts, uh, timing, uh, 
the message or the call using the right uh, content uh, to the right person. And so along with working with banks and lenders, I also want to stay in tune with what's happening in mortgage to make sure Jornai is really on the forefront, understanding the data that we have and how we can best serve uh, our mortgage clients. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And Jornai has got some really cool stuff, especially when, uh, you know, as you start to integrate it with various systems like the lead management systems that people may be using. So all kinds of cool stuff you can do there. So uh, let's, let's go back on the past a little bit. We talked about your past as a lender and, you know, and, and you mentioned me being your Velocify account manager and how we, you know, made magic together there and the things that we did, a lot of cool stuff. So, um, but you know, one of the things that I always found, and, and this is, I think why we've forged such a great friendship since is that your system was always, always, you know, a little bit more dialed in than others. And so really wanted to pick your brain about and, and have you talk a little bit about some of the techniques and strategies at a high level that you found to work best, uh, you know, in your setups and, uh, and to you know, meet the, the needs of your growing mortgage business at the time. Yeah, I, I was very fortunate where, you know, when we opened up the mortgage company, uh, I was there to set everything up before any production was there. And, and I knew Velocify um, at the time, and, and I believe uh, still be the case, is, is the best lead management system to use for what we wanted to accomplish. And so I got to play around and set things up before any production loan officer was using it. So I had the benefit of playing around with it quite a bit and not risking messing up anything. Uh, But when we opened up, it was five loan officers. So it was pretty easy to communicate with them to see what's working, what's not working and test out a lot of stuff. So as the business scaled and as we got up to, you know, over a hundred loan officers, uh, there was just this good methodical growth of testing, testing and testing. And it was plugging in things like Volley and their email uh, communication tool where you can see the behaviors, the interactions with consumers, and then being able to leverage those behaviors into a prioritization strategy. Uh, So that was one thing. But overall, I mean, I was really just, I was obsessed with speed to contact attempt. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we know, that's incredibly important when buying leads. Uh, and serving the customer, right? When they click the submit button, they want to be contacted right away. So I was really obsessed with that and watching that like a hawk because uh, the faster we got, uh, the, the better we would perform on leads. And overall, just tracking efficiency, figuring out you know, how we can scale the process from being really good with five loan officers, which is pretty easy to have a great process with five loan officers it's harder when you scale it. And yep. so having that, that groundwork, that, that foundation where, you know, one of the best things that I did, even though it's a non-technical process was create a culture of feedback from the loan officers. And so I would walk the floor. I would sit down with them. You came in the office a mm-hmm. couple of times and said, Hey, I just want to sit down for a couple of hours with some of your loan officers And it's not sitting down with the best ones. It's sitting down with the average ones to say, how are you using it? What's working? What's not working? And a lot of that resulted in me finding hiccups in the process, uh, finding inefficiencies, you know, finding all this stuff and then realizing, Hey, this is how I can fix that. Or here's how we can tweak that. 
and it was really just having an, an open line of communication and paying attention to what they were doing, as opposed to what I know some folks do, and that's kind of sit on the golden throne and say, I know best. Yep. Um, look, I knew I wasn't the smartest person in the room, uh, it, but collecting all the information, uh, all the recommendations from all the loan officers uh, really helped create that sense of a, a really well-tuned machine in the lead management process uh, from everything yeah. beginning to end. Yeah, and I was to say too, I remember uh, being back uh, there in your office and we were sitting with the call screener team and, at that time and, and saw a couple of things. And literally, we just walked in your office and made a couple of changes and then it was fixed. And that's kind of the beauty of having you know, these solutions to, that allow you to be nimble as a business uh, to make those decisions. I was also going to mention, I, I wrote an article, I think you might have uh, read it about the SWAT team and how you should have a SWAT team and how you know, the SWAT team has access to other things. But one way that was at the bottom of the, of the article was that you should also use your SWAT team, which are your best of the best people to, to advise you as the administrator on best practices that they see and what, what they feel. And, and that way you're able to run through these ideas that you think are really good and make sure that, you know, the top people are buying into that because if they buy in, they're going to have the, you know, some of the average to lower performers saying, okay, well, if I want to be the best and this person thinks that's the best way, maybe that's how I need to buy into it. And it helps with, with, uh, you know, just user adoption, which actually leads me into my next question. Perfectly, you know, great segue. You know, I asked Jeff Solomon, our, our previous guest, and, you know, it's my plan to ask it every guest going forward is about user adoption. User adoption obviously is a major obstacle when launching any type of technology, but when it comes to a lead management system, as we both know, it's, uh, you know, super critical. So, you know, going back to the early days, I know you started with five, but, you know, as you started to scale, what were some of the ways as you guys are bringing in, you know, new loan officers, uh, you know, what were some of the ways and techniques of things that you did for user adoptions of the system to get out of the mentality of those loan officers who may have been stuck doing it the way they've always done it? Like, what are some things, tactical things maybe you did uh, to help with that piece of user adoption? Yeah, it, it's, uh, as you mentioned, your SWAT team, right? You have people who come, if they're the most talented, and they're not going to have excuses, right? They own their production. Uh, they raise their hand when they need help. They raise their hand when they see something wrong. And you just have that team where if they say, hey, something's not working right, or I don't think this is the best way to do it, they're the best loan officers. They're given some advice that you should pay attention to. And so I would constantly be talking to that group while also sitting down with your main average bulk of your loan officers to see how they're using it. Mm -hmm. You know, those two things combined gives you some really valuable intel. And when you have new loan officers that come in saying, oh, yeah, we've used this system before, and this is how we did it, and this is how I'm going to continue to do it, even though it's not in line with the operations we want. Um, it helps because when you sit them down to train on the floor on all of the systems, if you're putting them down with members of that SWAT team, they're going to learn through their peers that this is a really good setup to have. It's really well dialed in. And then they start to buy in from them. But you unlock the, hey, we've tested this. We've documented this. Every time I did an orientation and a training on the system, I wasn't just saying, do this because it's the way we do it. It's, we do it this way because when we tested X and Y, and here's some of the results we saw, I'm continually testing and they know that I'm continually trying to improve the system and I care about their production, it really created that environment of like, you know, hey, I need to give this a shot. Now, once they got in the seat, 
after yeah. a week or two goes by, they start to fall into their old. A lot of them would. Uh, and that's really, you know, I hate to kind of use the, it, it's the carrot and the stick, right? So uh, if you do things a certain way in the system, you get rewarded with act don't have. Um, if you do things that we don't want you to do, if you're skipping leads and not following the prioritization, you're going to lose access to things you want, right? So the shark tank is a, is a great example of that, that we implemented, which were approved applications where the consumer just needed to be sold before another hadn't been yet. Well, those would sit there accessible to some of the best loan officers, or at least that group of average loan officers that were doing things the way you wanted them to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and those were extremely valuable. We, you know, loan officers would be getting a deal a week out of there pretty easily by just dipping into the shark tank. So everyone wanted access to the shark tank. Well, in order to do that, you have to do X, Y, and Z. Yep. If you don't, you're, you're not going to have access to it. And so, uh, so that would really help kind of create that user adoption because you really just need to change that habit, which takes a few weeks. Once they change the habit, once they see the light, uh, and realize, yeah, they can come to me with good suggestions uh, and I'll look into it, possibly test it. Um, there is that open door for that. Then that creates the environment of uh, you're not, you don't have to do things the way we do it because we're telling you to do it that way. Yep. We're doing it this way because it's the best performing way we know how right now, mm -hmm. but we're always testing, testing, and testing. Yep. So that's the way I found the best to get user adoption from my standpoint. Yeah. And, and I would just add to that too. What you've probably found too, is that, you know, you always talk about like an open door, right? So you have the open door of, Hey, if you see something that you think makes sense, let us know. And, you know, we can talk through it. And, and uh, so, especially when you're getting people coming in from other organizations and maybe you can bring, you know, some other good ideas from there as well. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and that culture, I've always been a firm believer in, Yes, the open door policy, but a lot of people don't feel comfortable coming into your office. Yep. And so me getting out of my office to go to them, to walk the floor, to sit down, cut out hours in my week to make it a point to sit with the loan officers and see how everything's going, even just shadowing them, not even talking to them, just watching them do their thing, yep. uh, then lowered that barrier where they know they can come to me anytime and say, hey, this is what I'm witnessing. Hey, I think something's wrong. Or, hey, can we test this out? Yeah, it's a great point. And really, all the listeners out there who are in this space, really, I think, could use that as a great takeaway as to setting and blocking time on your calendar to go sit with your users and watch them. And, you know, it's something that I do on every assessment that I do for an organization. I'm going in and trying to figure out and make recommendations. It's very difficult for me to make recommendations on things if I'm not sitting with the user and watching. And so to your point earlier, I'm sitting with a top performer, a middle performer, and a bottom performer. You also sit with, I think it's interesting to sit with a user who started in the last 60 days to see what, you know, things in training resonated with them and what things you may need to retrain on for people coming out of training. Um, but anyways, that's super valuable to me. I make sure it's a requirement on every assessment that I do that I sit with these users and kind of watch. And literally all you do is watch. You don't have to interrupt them. They don't have to, you know, uh, talk to you. It's really just watching. And, you know, the thing that I like to point out is that maybe if someone's clicking on something to do an act, to, to, to do some type of function, they take seven clicks, seven or eight clicks on their mouse. I'm trying to find a way to make it two. And if I make it two, then it makes their life easier. They save more time. They can focus on more customers down the road. So 
great advice. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm going to jump back. We're also going to go back in our magic time machine and go back to 2015. Uh, we're at the SoftView Summit, which is now Bali, their innovation summit. Okay. So I did a presentation uh, back then. A lot of people still remember this, the customer experience screening, which essentially I secret shopped all 50 lenders uh, on how they responded to leads and how they called and emailed and did all these things. And so um, I ended up giving an award away and the award went to the person who, uh, the company that had the best experience out of the 50 lenders. And guess who it was? Our guest, Mike Eshelman. <laughs> and so, you know, this is something that, um, that I still find value in today. I work with lenders as, as we're speaking. I'm, I have these screenings going on as we speak uh, to really help them, uh, you know, figure out how the system not only is set up, but, you know, what's, how are users using the system that's set up? That's, that's another key piece. I know we've done a lot of work together on these things, and I've done them for you over the past. Can you talk about, you know, the value that you found and uh, how we used to work together and how you used that? Uh, data, you know, to make decisions and uh, on how the system was set up. Yeah, <laughs> first of all, I think when you, I know when you announced that, I mean, we're in a great setting uh, at the summit. We were in the suite in the outfield at at, uh, at the Coffin Royals. Stadium, yep, yep, at Royals Stadium, and then uh, you know, so so we're looking at you with the baseball field in the background, and all of a sudden you drop this bomb that you secret shopped everyone. And uh, I think I heard the entire room shift and probably sink in their seat a little bit out of embarrassment of what may be unveiled here shortly. Exactly. So yep. it was hysterical, and uh, uh, and it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, so valuable to see what's actually happening because until that moment, yes, I have my administration screen, I have my lead prioritization, I have my marketing automation engine going out. Um, if a loan officer schedules an appointment, it queues up a, a priority call at the time of the appointment. Like All that stuff I felt was buttoned up, but you don't know until you experience, like what's the reality? What's actually happening on the other end? And what is that customer experience like? Which is hugely important um, because if the customer has a good experience, good follow-up and, and uh, good marketing communication, um, you have a much better chance of converting them. So uh, it was nice to see everything mapped out. Here's when a call went. Here's when an email went out. Uh, you even tested uh, where you opened and engaged with an email, which prioritized a phone call. Because again, we were tracking that behavioral data of when you were most interested. Uh, you spoke to a loan officer and said, oh, you know what? I'm a little busy right now. Can you call me back tomorrow at 2.30? And now we get into, yes, you have a lead management system. You can configure it the best way possible. Uh, but there's also this human element involved because it just so happened that the loan officer who was supposed to call you back was going to have to leave the office a little early for uh, a family emergency. He wasn't going to be able to make the phone call. Uh, he called you back or shot you a message and said, mm -hmm. Hey, un unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make this. Can we reschedule? Um, and so, so as much as you can have this high technology, you also have to have this human element in the training involved as well. But um, I don't know if there had been a more valuable tool that I had than being able to see something documented out my contact strategy 
And you ended up doing that a few times. And I want to say a couple of years later when you did it, um, it wasn't as great. There were some holes. Mm-hmm. And, and seeing those holes, you know, yes, we were testing, we were implementing new strategies, we were continually modifying the system to try and get better, better, and better. And through doing that, kind of lost sight on a couple of things out in left field. Yep. So not only doing an assessment once and doing a secret shopper once, but continually doing it is important. I mean, I would argue quarterly uh, yeah. would be something good to, to have because A, you can see where you're improving. B, you can see if you're losing sight on something that you shouldn't be losing sight on and how to fix it. So, yep. uh, so it, was, it was fantastic. It was a great experience. And I'm, I'm really glad you did that. For sure. Yes. And, and some of the interesting things too that we find is that, um, you know, typically when I'm doing these, I'm putting the leads in to really get a good experience as to what might happen like a Tuesday morning after the Monday lead flow has slowed down, et cetera, where you can really get strategic. So what happens when your customer goes online at 5 p.m. on a Saturday? What is that experience like? Or overnight leads, you know, there's opportunities there. And, and as you reference uh, about me calling back in, this is where I call back in, act interested, ask for that call back. I then kind of track what happens after that. And it's, it's, I think that's one of the biggest missed opportunities for lenders today is that they have users who are making a connection with somebody. We're always, always about speed to lead and how much, how, what the, the strategy is to call somebody back on a certain time period to get them on the phone. But not a lot of organizations today have a really good system set up for when you make contact, how do you follow up with that customer when you call them back at 2.30 and they don't answer? When's the next time you call them and how is that tracked and what happens if they don't make the call? Who, you know, who's going to make the call? So we see a lot of opportunity there and worked with a number of companies now that, you know, we're putting things in place that if you take the lead back, maybe you send it back to, to your screen team and let them follow up and transfer either back to that, you know, user or somebody else. So uh, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing those, uh, that story. And um, uh, again, I think it's super valuable and if you're interested in learning more, you can check out my website and uh, we can talk more about how I can help you with that today. Um, all right, jump into uh, also, uh, we'll say the first year X side. So, you know, and you talked about speed to contact and how you became passionate about that. So, you eventually implemented a high power dialer at first direct lending, um, you know, in conjunction with your lead management system. So, can you talk about, you know, the things that you were seeing and the decision to move to that type of dialer? And, you know, what are some lenders who might be considering that type of thing? What, you know, what should they be thinking about? Yeah, the, the integration and the implementation of a dialer uh, with our lead management system. I mean, it was a beast. It's a big project. There's a lot to consider. Uh, so I reviewed a lot of different uh, dialing systems. Um, we ended up settling in on one after uh, not only me meeting with them and having a discussion with my lead management system uh, about what the integration would look like, but brought in IT brought in sales. I mean, it was a, it was a big decision. And ultimately we were looking for more firepower, um, predictive dialing, uh, more robust automated voicemail messages being left more of an omni-channel approach where we can integrate chat into the call center. So it gets routed to the right person and track. So, so there was a lot involved. Um, thankfully, uh, saving grace here with, with, us was we had Mike Peranto who, oh, who Mike. helped with the implementation. He's phenomenal um, because it was a, it took a lot of time, energy, and effort, all of which while maintaining the current system and your current role of marketing. So, so it's a lot to consider uh, for sure. Uh, 
And overall, I mean, the mentality of, hey, we just want to make more dials isn't necessarily mean you want to implement a dialer um, because more dials doesn't mean more production. Uh, more of the right dials to the right people at the right time and creating a more personalized uh, experience you know, is useful and is beneficial and positive ROI will come along with that. Um, you know, but if you're making $15,000 a day and you want to see how to get to $50,000 a day, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to quadruple your production. So uh, it was a big decision and there was a lot of nuts and bolts that came along with it. Um, and we definitely had some hiccups along the way. Uh, but overall, it ended up being, you know, a good decision, a good move for, for what we wanted to do. Did you see just high level, uh, you know, conversion rate increases, any, any metrics around what that did for the business or did you see, you know, uh, for me? Yeah. So, so we, we did see a pickup, uh, and a lot of the pickup came, it gave me additional visibility into measuring contact rate on every single dial attempt. So when we talk about prioritizing leads and who to call first, I knew exactly contact attempt one, what my contact rate was, contact attempt two, what my contact rate was. So it gave us an additional uh, layer of data that we can be a lot more granular in our analytics about who to call and when. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we found stuff, you know, long tail leads, really age leads that uh, we didn't really get to as much as we wanted to because, I mean, look, age leads, there's still gold in those hills, right? There, it's, it's a needle in a haystack. It's really difficult to find those leads that are still there. Uh, but when you combine leveraging behavioral data in the age lead pile along with uh, some really cool, powerful reporting tools that came along with the dialer, um, we were able to zero in on exactly which leads showed interest at a time that we would have otherwise considered that lead dead and just kind of thrown into a nurture campaign. Interesting. Um, so yeah, it made finding those a lot easier. Got it. Awesome. Thanks for that. So, so we've been back in the past. We're going to come back to the, now we're going to come back to present time here. So, uh, so now, you know, director of consumer finance at Jornaya, can you talk a little bit about the services Jornaya provides and how, how you're seeing lenders use some of the products you guys have to you know, manage the, their leads better? If you yeah, will. absolutely. Yeah. So going back uh, to Jornaya originally back in the day, it was uh, about providing additional data intelligence on the leads you buy. Uh, as well as TCPA protection. So, uh, you know, the Jornaya 101 is we have a script of code that lives across over 30,000 websites uh, focused on major life purchases, mortgage, real estate, insurance, uh, auto, education. And so we see when consumers are landing on these pages, uh, we witness them filling out forms and we collect a lot of data about those individual lead events. So the way I engaged with Jornaya originally when I was a client was when I received a lead, uh, whether it came from our own website or we bought it from a third party aggregator, uh, I would know immediately in real time, yes or no, were TCPA disclosures present? Uh, were they visible? Were they near the submit button? So I could feel safe in dialing because TCPA is a, is a big concern. If you're gonna use an auto dialer, you have to make sure that you have not only TCPA, but you have proof of consent in case you know, a lawsuit would ever arise. You can reference that individual lead event and get the proof that you need. Uh, but along with that, 
there's a lot of data intelligence points that come. So yes, I received first name, last name, email, phone, address, and all the regular data points that came along with it. Uh, but when I would query Jornaya in real time, I would get back, how long was that consumer engaged on the form? How many other forms did they fill out across the ecosystem in the past week or month? And all of these data points delivered me information about their level of intent. So whenever I saw a consumer was engaged in the form between three and seven minutes, uh, my application rate was 34% higher on that population. Amazing. Yep. I'm going to prioritize those consumers differently than I'm going to engage with other consumers that were on the page for less or longer. Also, when we saw that consumers were filling out four or more lead forms in the past 30 days, uh, we saw the rate at which those applications were declined were substantially higher. So what we get from that is I would see a consumer fill out a form uh, multiple times because they're getting declined by all these lenders. So I would treat those leads, maybe only try and engage them, you know, with three phone call attempts and then bury it unless they were to raise their hand. Cause I don't want to waste dials on a population of consumers that will likely be declined. Love it. So that was, uh, that was great to see. Now, fast forward, you know, a year ago, Jornaya uh, launched our Activate platform, which now take us out of only operating between the lead buyers and the lead sellers. We can work with anyone, monitor a list of the consumers they care about, and inform them when that consumer is back actively shopping around for a mortgage. Beyond that, are they looking for a refinance? Are they looking for a purchase? So imagine monitoring a database of your old customers, your old leads, uh, maybe leads you just bought a few weeks ago. And we can tell you when they're back bouncing around so you can time the next phone call. Um, if it's a really aged lead or an aged customer from years ago and you start to get information that they're in market for a purchase, you can personalize that engagement so that an email you're sending out is purchase related. Or the team that's calling out on that customer is a purchase team or someone who loves doing purchase transactions. So it really helps uh, get hyper-focused to really deliver the right message to the right person at the right time. Uh, we're witnessing over 200 million consumer events every single month. So it's a massive network and incredibly valuable behavioral data. That's amazing. Some really cool stuff there. It's cool nuggets. Of, uh, I think that a lot of lenders could relate to, especially as it comes to the prioritization, the scoring, how they distribute. I mean, all of this stuff, uh, I can see, you know, being so impactful. Um, so when, when you're, you're talking to lenders today and you're meeting with them, what are some of the big missed opportunities you're finding uh, as it relates to data and, and those types of things? You mentioned some of the solutions you have, but like, what are you seeing that's out there now? That's kind of the, Hey, like uh, aha moments for lenders you're talking to. Yeah, that with, with regards to the data, uh, and you and I have talked about it before, it, it's really, yes, you have this concept of lead scoring, or customer scoring, prospect scoring, whatever you want to call it, um, where traditionally it's a lot based on a lot of static data elements. Um, is this consumer have a loan amount or are they a fit for a certain loan program that I do really well with? Are they in a state that we tend to have a lot of coverage in and perform really well with? Uh, is this from a campaign that performs really well? Like all these are elements that are in the score. But when you start thinking about more of a real-time lead scoring, 
that's been something that, yes, I see a few out there doing it, but not nearly as many uh, as, as, uh, as I'd like to see. And, and I think it's starting to move in that direction. So when we talk about real-time lead scoring, uh, there are some things such as, are they currently engaging with emails? Well, that score should be popping up when they're engaging with those emails. Um, are they actively bouncing around using the Jornaya data to know, yes, this consumer might've been a lead six months ago, and now they're actively popping around. It's a good time to put them back in the queue for a dial or an increased number of, of marketing messages, email messages uh, being sent. You and I have talked about when the lead event happens, when, it can, when you receive the lead, if that's at one in the afternoon, one in the afternoon is probably a good time to get a hold of them on days going on because we're a creature of habit, right? I remember I used to, I used to close my office door, eat my lunch in my office and take care of some personal items during mm -hmm. that time period. And it tended to be the same time every day. And that's when I'm more likely to pick up the phone or email back. Uh, so that's the right time to try and deliver those engagements. And, um, and so that's something that, that I'd like to see quite a bit more. I feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities right now because, you know, especially in that age lead population, well, taking a step back, what we tend to see is when an inquiry comes in, the contact engagement, contact strategy, emails, they happen fast and furiously for about a two, three, maybe even a four week period. And then they die down substantially. So the consumer's phone has stopped ringing. They're not getting bombarded with as many messages anymore. Yep. And if they're still in market to get a mortgage and you know by leveraging these behavioral data points and, and, and know when the best time is to, to contact them, um, you're setting yourself up for success because you're pretty much the only one out there that's reaching out to them. I kind of equate it to they're on an island right now. They're ready to do a mortgage. It just depends on which boat's the next one that comes by uh, to, pick, to pick them up. And um, it's that long tail stuff that tends to be the highly converting population if you know who's in that population. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I was with the lender last week and we <clears throat> were looking at how all of this fits into their business and how we would reprioritize leads. Um, you know, if they've opened an email in the last seven days, that's, that's a data point, maybe as part of the score, if they open an email in the last three days, that's a, maybe a higher. And then today, and so all of these things can be kind of, you know, bucketed together in, in some strategic way that that will make your lead conversions go up at the end of the day. So, all right, so you did a webinar last week on the topic of the mortgage customer journey. Uh, and so I think they can still go download that on demand if, they, if they'd like to, but can you just give a couple of highlights of what you discussed and, and how the lead management part plays a role in that journey for the customer? Yeah, absolutely. It, it was uh, um, the webinar you can find on jornaya.com or feel free to connect with me on, on LinkedIn uh, and I'll get it over to you. But um, yeah, we did a bunch of analysis. We kind of challenged our data science team to look at the consumer journey from different angles. Uh, we kind of sliced it and diced it in a few different ways. You know, first and foremost, consumers on average shop for a loan 171 days before they actually end up closing on a loan. But if you look at the time in which they uh, submit an inquiry or they have their credit pulled and speaking with that first lender, uh, that happens about 71 days before the funding event. So you have this 100 day period where a consumer's in market shopping around online. Ellie Mae came out with some data saying, 
of people who got a loan in the last year, 92% of them researched online prior to speaking with a lender. For comparison, five years ago, that was, I think, 57%. So it's been a tremendous amount of growth in terms of the research uh, they're doing online prior to speaking with a lender. Uh, And so that gives this whole 100-day point of thought period before they engage with the first lender for someone who knows that information to be very influential in how that consumer shops and where they ultimately get that loan. Uh, so, so that was great to see kind of mapped out that entire consumer journey. Um, you know, we found that male versus female, they actually shop pretty similarly for mortgages. When you slice down by um, age grouping, we found a population that is way more active shopping prior to engaging with the lender. But then when you look at everyone and where I think the the real nuggets of information, and we kind of touched on it a a minute ago, is when someone submits a request for information, that doesn't mean they're done and they're ready to make a decision. There's a substantial amount of shopping that continues to occur 30, 60, 90 days later. And and that, that's interesting because, again, that's a population that a lot of people give up on. Oh, they're no longer interested. They haven't been answering their phone. You know, they didn't answer the phone in the first two to four weeks. So bury them. Right. Uh, and that's, that was, uh, there's a lot in that population that continue to shop around. So you know, that, was, that was really interesting to, uh, to see all of that. Um, it's basically a lot of people have a nurture campaign. Yep. It's, although it's important to try and stay in front of the consumer that way, simply nurturing, set it and forget it mentality um, isn't the most beneficial. You want to get smarter about that population because there are a lot of meat on the bones there. And I think that leads into the, you said it was the first time in history that marketers are going to spend more money on behavioral data. Is that right? Yeah, that came from the Winterberry group, uh, the state of data 2018. So, uh, the end of 2018, they published that information and they said it's the first time that marketers are going to spend more on behavioral data than terrestrial data, which basically is used for uh, direct mail. I mean, lead by, like the name, address, phone number, that type of data. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's in the broad marketing ecosystem, uh, which, uh, which it, was, it was great to see. It's validating to see. Um, but it's showing you how important it's becoming to get much better at your marketing efforts. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, I cannot thank you enough for joining me and being my second ever guest. Uh, So honored to have you on. And uh, you know, I I know that you're speaking at an event coming up soon. So if uh, anybody out there will be at the connect to convert conference in Boston, you can see Mike uh, on stage there. Uh, Any other events you have coming up? People can find you. Yes, I'll be speaking at uh, Digital Mortgage as well, talking about alternative data, uh, along with uh, Barbara Yolas, who used to be the chief marketing officer at United Wholesale, who's the uh, biggest mortgage company in the country right now. Uh, And then she was chief strategy officer at TMS and now just started her own agency, uh, along with uh, Tanya Hare from Better Mortgage. So we're going to have some great conversations about uh, data to make better decisions. So yeah, that's the other event. What's the the topic at Connect to Convert? In Boston, Connect to Convert is is focused a lot on um, recapturing purchase business. So it, it's really interesting that um, recapture rates are at a 15 year low of recapturing past customers that that you've worked with before. 
Um, it's at, uh, as last reported by Black Knight earlier this year, at 17%, where about eight or nine years ago, it used to be 50%. Mm-hmm. So it's been a huge drop off. When you actually break down that 17% between refinance and purchase, you'll find it's about 30, 30 plus percent recapture rate on refinance and only about two or 3% on purchase business. Amazing. So uh, although we're in a great refinance environment right now, there's still a lot of people who know they have to button up everything on their purchase side uh, for when rates really do tick up and, and the purchase business is uh, the overwhelming majority of transactions. Yep. So we're going to have that discussion. Uh, Grant Moon from Home Captain, uh, along with Mike Peronto, uh, who's at Cardinal. And yep. so we're going to have a great discussion about how to help recapture home purchase business. Awesome. Well, can't wait to see you there. Thanks again for the time today. Such an, again, honor to have you on and uh, look forward to running across you along the way. How, how can people reach out to you if they need to? You mentioned LinkedIn. What are some other ways they can get in touch with you if they have any questions? Yep. You can shoot me an email, mescheleman at jornaya.com. Uh, or easiest way I've always found is uh, connect on LinkedIn and, and shoot me a message through there and, and uh, happy to interact and, and jump on a call and see if myself or Jornaya can help you in any way. I geek out just talking about the industry and stuff. So always happy to have those conversations. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Mike. Have a great rest of your day and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Lead Management Masterminds podcast. Today's episode is presented by SDP Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things lead management strategy and optimization. Please visit us at www.sdp-solutions.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast site.